Hi, this is Mark Raven. This is episode 246 of Lean Blog Audio. This is a bit of a throwback Thursday here. This is a post from February 2010 that I titled My Thoughts on Standardized Work. I've written about many of these ideas and themes before in various blog posts, but I wanted to consolidate my thoughts on the lean concept of standardized work in a single place. This is partly for my own reference and future linking, which uh, looking back, I have linked to this a lot over the years, but also can prompt, I hope, some discussion amongst my friends, the lean blog readers. What I'm documenting here is consistent with what I've been teaching and coaching people on in healthcare uh, for the last five years, and I guess it's now almost 13 years. The concepts described here are directly influenced by Toyota, especially the book Toyota Talent, Developing Your People the Toyota Way. And I believe it's uh, what I'm teaching is very consistent with what's expressed in Dr. Atul Gawande's book, The Checklist Manifesto. These points are also expressed in the chapter on standardized work in my book, Lean Hospitals. So this is a long post. It's a long, probably be a long podcast episode here. But uh, the headings, the bullet points of what is to come include standardized, don't standardize for the sake of standardizing. It's created by the people who do the work. It's not always a detailed procedure. It's not restrictive or limiting. It's not permanent. You don't beat people up for not following it. I don't mean literally beating anybody up or not. You, know, you don't don't give people don't don't punish people for not following it. It's probably a better way of saying that. So part one, standardized, and I'm emphasizing the I-Z-E-D at the end. You know, in the past, I used the term standard work. In fact, the tag I use here on the blog uh, for posts like this usually is standard work, not standardized work. I think that one syllable, the ized, makes a huge difference. Standard implies fixed and inflexible. Standardized reflects to me a spectrum. David Meyer, through his books and personal conversations, confirmed the idea to me that it's important to understand what you standardize and to what degree you standardize it. Is more standardization always better? Probably not always. I mean, you can take things too far to an extreme that's not beneficial. If somebody in a hospital laboratory is walking uh, from one station to another, does it matter which foot they take their first step with? Well, of course not. There's no need to standardize that. There's no benefit. Are there any benefits to making call center staff read a script like robots, not letting them deviate or do what's necessary to serve customer needs? Probably not. Then again, working with one hospital, the radiology scheduling team created standardized work for how and when and what they communicated to parents of patients who were coming in for sedation and an MRI. By communicating in a more standardized way, not being 100% scripted, but having what you might call key points, they significantly reduced process defects where parents came to the wrong location or the children had mistakenly eaten that morning, meaning they couldn't have their procedures. I found that in many cases, healthcare and patients benefit from more standardization. Experience and published evidence confirm that. In many healthcare settings, highly skilled people are working hard in what some describe as a process-free zone. There's a lot of evidence, you can see Gawande's books, including Better, a Surgeon's Notes on Performance, 
evidence that standardized work leads to better patient safety and better quality outcomes. See ThetaCare's work in improving their door-to-balloon times for code STEMI patients and how they receive faster care, therefore better outcomes, through standardization of work processes and care decisions. But don't standardize for the sake of standardizing. This is the next section. I've always taught that standardizing is not the goal. The goals are to have better safety, quality, access, which might mean waiting time in healthcare, cost, and staff morale. These are the usual goals of a lean organization. Since we are very concerned about staff morale, especially since staff satisfaction correlates very well to patient satisfaction in healthcare, we have to think about how people would feel if they're forced to follow an arbitrary procedure. Is this good for morale? Probably not, especially among highly skilled professionals. There must be a clear why statement for standardizing things in a certain way. Here's a high-level example. Why is doing it consistently good for quality? I think that's a good question to ask. Again, consistently doesn't mean robotically identical. Uh, I wrote an article in 2014 that I've linked to. Uh, it was an article on LEI's Lean Post site with the, uh, the title, Standardization is a Countermeasure, Never the Goal. And if you want to find a link to that and other articles I reference here, go to leanblog.org slash audio246. But back to the laboratory example earlier, I can think of one example from my past where it does matter greatly of which foot goes first in a marching band. Fellow band geeks will know you always take your first step with your left foot. Beats one in three in a song are always on your left foot. So why is this important? Visually, for the marching band performance, it looks better when people are stepping in unison. When you march in a line, you stay better aligned. Now, does that matter in almost any other setting? Well, no. You always have to understand the purpose and the context of what's being done um, and why. Next point. It's created by the people who do the work. Work standards are the old school approach. Inflexible, detailed procedures pushed on people by managers, engineers, or experts. This is the old Taylorist approach that separates thinking from doing. This is not the lean approach as I've learned it. Lean standardized work is created by those who do the work. It was the case at Geisinger, the health system in Pennsylvania, where a cardiology group created standardized work for better cardiac bypass surgery care. Standardized work was created by Dr. John Tebitz, a Dallas cosmetic surgeon, and he specifically credits Lean and Toyota in his peer-reviewed medical journal articles. That point aside, he created standardized work for how he performs surgery and his patients get better results. He owns the standardized work since he created it and it has clear benefits. Now, it's not just the doctors. I've worked with folks in many different hospital departments that created their own new standardized work. Now, it's not always true that everyone gets to have their way on everything. It's more complicated than that. In the marching band, the standardized work, left foot first, was dictated to me. In the case of safety glasses in a factory or gloves in a medical laboratory, these things are not optional. Um, it's standardized work that you must follow for your own safety. We don't let the staff vote or decide on their own. But generally, people don't like to be told what to do. They don't like to be forced in, into an inflexible way of doing things, regardless of their education level. 
But if you do have to, if you will, dictate the standardized work, and this had better be done rarely and judiciously, give people a good reason why. Treat them like adults. Don't just bark orders. You can't depend on just blind compliance. Next section here. It's not always a detailed procedure. The standardized work doesn't always mean a long, detailed document. Organizations, especially hospitals, usually have no shortage of procedures, but they're pretty useless. I mean, they often weren't written by the people who do the work. They're often out of date. They're often just a bunch of binders on the shelf. In a lean approach, you might update those documents and make sure they reflect reality. Now, the checklist approach from aviation and now being used in medicine emphasizes simple single page documents that have just the key points to use a word from the training within industry approach. These are the important things that shouldn't be forgotten due to the impact on the patients. Instead of huge documents, you might also create guidelines or rules of thumb even that might be documented in a simple way. I think standardized work is about uh, four questions. One, who does what? Two, when do you do it? Three, how do you do it? And four, why do you do it that way? The old procedures approach usually focuses very heavily on the detail of number three, how do you do it? The other things are important too. You know, asking the staff to reevaluate and determine who does what, for example. Should nurses be dragging bags of dirty linens down the hallway? Well, no, they decide that that should be done by a tech. And management and the team also make sure that the tech hasn't been overloaded with a 120% job. So it's not just about dumping work on others, it's about making the best use of talent and often uh, that's scarce talent. When should you do things? Why do the first shift laboratory technologists shut the testing machine down for maintenance at 7 a.m., a busy time of day when test results are then delayed? Well, it's because it's the start of their shift, habit. If it needs to be done once daily, the team can decide to do it at 10 a.m. when it's a very slow time of day. In all of these cases, people should understand their reasons why. Why does it matter who does what? Why does it matter when you do it? Why does it matter how you do it? It's not restrictive or limiting. I love the quote from Bill Marriott that says, at the hotel chain, procedures, they don't call it standardized work, Procedures don't lead to, quote, mindless conformity from employees. Standardized work doesn't eliminate the need for judgment. It doesn't mean shut your brain off at the door. The following is from a review of the book about Marriott, the, the company and their approach. The book is called The Spirit to Serve. Emerson once disparaged foolish consistency as the hobgoblin of little minds. But Bill Marriott has not confused mindless conformity with thoughtful standard setting. Consistent systems and procedures are main engines for the company's success and at the heart of Marriott's way. It says, quote, at the most basic level, systems help bring order to the natural messiness of human enterprise. Give 100 people the same task without providing ground rules, and you'll end up with at least a dozen, if not 100 different results. Try that same experiment with a few thousand people and you end up with chaos. Efficient systems and clear rules help everyone deliver a consistent product and service. End of quote. It helps. Procedure manuals don't create good service. Thinking people do. At Marriott and Toyota, the idea is to standardize what you can so you can have the mental energy to 
leftover to focus on unusual situations and problem solving. Do their manuals cover every situation that could possibly occur? It's not possible. As a pilot friend of mine says, checklists don't fly the airplane. But in the Geisinger case, the cardiac surgeons are allowed, of course, to deviate from the standardized method. But they have to be able to articulate and defend a clear medical need. It's not just a matter of, oh, you woke up on the wrong side of the world and didn't feel like giving an antibiotic before surgery. Now, there's a guy who criticizes, um, at least at the time I was writing this, my advocacy for standard work because I think he assumes that I'm advocating mindless conformity. Well, that's never been the case. And if he read my book or really read my blog, he might have a chance of seeing that. Then again, he, he makes blind blanket statements like, uh, standardized work is always bad for services or lean doesn't work. And well, we, we agree that the wrong-headed application of the concept is harmful, but he takes it to an extreme that it's always bad because it's sometimes misapplied. It's not permanent. In any lean setting, and this is true in the checklist approach, standardized work is never permanent. It's just the best way we know how to do the work today. Even Henry Ford said almost 100 years ago that every process is experimental. Today's standardized work is the basis for tomorrow's Kaizen, or continuous improvement. This is clearly taught by Toyota, and it's being taught in healthcare. As Toyota teaches, every employee has two jobs. One, do the work. Two, improve the work. With Lean, we follow a scientific method for improvement, the plan, do, check, act cycle, or the plan, do, study, adjust cycle. And finally, you don't beat people up for not following it. One final point, what happens when a manager sees somebody not following standardized work? You don't yell. You don't make a thoughtless remark that pressures them into conforming. You don't make a face that says, what's wrong with you? The best thing you can do is to ask why. Maybe there's a good reason and that's okay. Maybe the employee doesn't understand the standardized work and they need, need more coaching. You know, be a coach, not a cop. Maybe the person is experimenting with a new, better way. If you force conformity, you'll kill Kaizen. Your organization starts to die. Back in my days at GM, the UAW guys had a term, malicious obedience. Managers yelled at them and told them to follow orders, to not think. The workers said, okay, and did things that were often bad for the product quality because the bosses told them to. And you wonder why GM had such problems. We don't want hospitals or other organizations going down the lean path to have such problems. Thanks for reading, or in this case, thanks for listening. I'm curious what your thoughts are on any of the points. You know, this post might evolve, has evolved over time as I better document some of the references, particularly to the Toyota source material uh, that I didn't have right in front of me when uh, I wrote this. If you agree with these points, which ones do you see violated most often? What can we do about it? So again, uh, if you want to see links to uh, articles, books, things I referenced here, go to leanblog.org audio 246. Thanks for listening.